In November 2012, two hikers, who we'll call Bobby and Joe, camped in Utah's Provo Canyon. While sitting outside their tent, one of them noticed a deer up on a hill. Bobby grabbed his camera, and the pair snuck closer. For a while, Bobby recorded the deer's movements. But then Joe nudged his arm and pointed at something in the distance. Bobby swung his camera toward a dark shadow crouched between the forest trees. They'd stumbled upon a black bear foraging in the woods. The animal stood up on two legs. It straightened its back, stretched its arms, and stared at the men. That's when Bobby and Joe realized they weren't filming a bear at all. It was a massive beast shaped like a man. The pair sprinted away as fast as they could back to their campsite. Although neither believed the legends before, they were confident they just encountered the creature known as Bigfoot. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our final episode on the Big Gray Man. Since the late 18th century, hikers on Scotland's Cairngorm Mountains have reported encounters with a large creature that resembled Sasquatch or the Abominable Snowman. Last time, we examined several stories about the monster of legend. Some mountaineers said they felt the presence of a beast pursuing them downhill. Another insisted he shot it. Today, we'll analyze whether the Big Gray Man or its relatives actually exist. Then we'll debate whether explorers encountered a ghost-like presence known as the Brocken Spectre, or if they were protected by a guardian angel. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
For decades, Scottish hikers on the Cairngorm Mountains claimed they were chased by a mysterious creature. They said the monster was enormous, walked on two legs, and was covered in hideous gray fur. It became known as Amphir Laethmore, Gaelic for the Big Gray Man. But many people doubted the creature existed. The only person to ever provide anything close to physical proof was a Scottish author named James Allen Rennie. In December 1952, Rennie photographed footprints that allegedly belonged to the Big Gray Man. He said the tracks were 19 inches long and 14 inches wide, bigger than the largest human feet on record. But footprints can only reveal so much about a species. They can't even prove it exists. Fraudsters have been known to create fake prints by pressing carved wooden feet into mud. So Rennie's pictures didn't settle the debate. And while debate raged, the big gray man seemed to resurface thousands of miles away in the United States. Throughout the 20th century, dozens of people have allegedly seen beasts that look like the big gray man. They go by different names, the Yeti, the Abominable Snowman, Sasquatch, and Bigfoot. As we discussed last time, in October 1967, Roger Patterson reportedly captured Bigfoot on film during an encounter in Northern California. His footage showed a furry animal walking upright on two legs. He saw it as undeniable proof of the creature's existence. And if Bigfoot is real, that might mean the Big Gray Man is as well. According to some researchers, the Big Gray Man and its foreign lookalikes could all be descendants of the same species. The original ancestors may have been around when all of the Earth's land was connected. Geologists have found evidence suggesting that over 200 million years ago, our planet had a single massive continent known as Pangaea. Back then, dinosaurs roamed the world, but so did the first ancestors of modern-day mammals. Scientists have discovered a fossil of a creature known as Cephaliodon. It's closely related to the direct ancestors of all modern-day mammals alive today. That includes humans and, potentially, the Big Gray Man. It's hard to say what Cephaliodon looked like, but it was thought to be about the size of a hare, two and a half pounds at most. One rendition shows it on all fours, with a long, pointy, weasel-like snout and a fuzzy tail. It doesn't look like it belongs on our family tree, but it does, even if it's only distantly related. Some scientists believe that 200 million years ago, the tectonic plates began to slowly break apart and, over time, formed our modern continents. Cephaliodon may have had some relatives stranded in Europe and others in the Americas. One set of creatures might have evolved into the Big Gray Man, while the others could have become Bigfoot. Now it's surprising enough for a two-and-a-half-pound creature to evolve into a human-sized biped. But for it to happen twice on two separate continents? 
It's possible thanks to a phenomenon known as parallel evolution. It's when two species evolve in similar ways as they adapt to equivalent environments. It's why you can find cacti in both Africa and the Americas. The plants aren't related to each other, but they both evolved spiky leaves in similar environments. Or perhaps, rather than being separated by the continents drifting apart, some of the big gray man's ancestors may have migrated over a land bridge that existed more than two million years ago. That's how bears traveled to different regions. They walked from Asia to the region that became Alaska. Then, over millions of years, they evolved into black bears, brown bears, polar bears, and others. Of course, this all hinges on a major assumption that Roger Patterson actually encountered a relative of the big gray man in 1967. Some skeptics have claimed the creature in Patterson's video walked too much like a human being. Perhaps Bigfoot wasn't an animal, but a man in a modified gorilla suit. Patterson may have been trying to pull a fast one on the scientific community. But other experts defended Patterson and his film, including Jeffrey Meldrum, a professor of anatomy and anthropology at Idaho State University. He'd seen other men in gorilla suits, and they didn't look like Bigfoot. In 2017, he told Oregon Public Broadcasting even the best makeup at the time couldn't compare to Patterson's creature. He referenced the 1970 film Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which used cutting-edge cosmetics for its gorilla costumes. The professor also insisted Patterson's Bigfoot has a clear skeletal structure underneath her fur and skin. In a lecture at Idaho State, Meldrum showed the film to his class and asked them to identify parts of Bigfoot's anatomy. The professor said his students' hands shot up as they pointed out the creature's spine and skull. They said that the animal's shoulder blades shifted beneath her skin and her quad muscles clearly contracted as she walked. And of course, Patterson's controversial film is far from the only evidence of Bigfoot's existence. Others have reportedly spotted enormous footprints or saw furry humanoid animals standing upright. In 1968, a man came forward with a mysterious carcass he said he found in Siberian waters. He asked cryptozoologists to examine it, and they concluded the body belonged to an unidentified creature one that seemed to match descriptions of the big gray man. Coming up, a definitive study of the legendary beast. Hi listeners, it's Sarah from Disappearances. For years, I have been fascinated by a troubled adventure in 1959 that left nine Soviet hikers dead and the world scratching their heads. Now, I've teamed up with Carter Roy and Cold Cases to look at the theories, comb through the facts, and fit together the missing pieces of the Dyatlov Pass incident. If you love a good mystery, this episode is for you. Follow Disappearances to catch our exploration into the Dyatlov Pass today. Listen for free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Throughout the 20th century, many hikers believed they saw creatures like Bigfoot, the abominable snowman, and the big gray man. But aside from some grainy photos and unverified footprints, the witnesses never came forward with any scientific proof until November 1968. That year, a showman named Frank Hansen put a strange carcass on display at the International Livestock Exposition in Chicago. He claimed he found it in Siberian waters and called it, quote, a relic of the Ice Age. A month later, Hansen presented the corpse to cryptozoologists Ivan T. Sanderson and Bernard Overmont. Neither had seen anything like it. It looked like a frozen Sasquatch with a massive chest and huge hands and feet. Its face was wide like a shovel, featuring a strong brow ridge and a small nose. One of its eyes dangled across its face. The researchers believed it had been shot in the back of the head, which dislodged the eyeball and killed it. Both men were convinced they'd uncovered an entirely new species. According to science writer Darren Nash, Uvelmans published a paper initially identifying it as a distinct species within the human genus, which he named Homo pangoides, Latin for ape-like man. His colleague Sanderson wrote to John Napier, the director of primate biology at the Smithsonian Museum. Sanderson claimed the ape-man was biologically unique. Napier wasn't so sure. He asked Hansen, the man who found the carcass, if he could borrow it so Smithsonian officials could analyze it and determine if it was legitimate. But the showman refused. Instead, he allegedly displayed a replica of the authentic corpse to the public, charging onlookers admission to see the strange beast. Understandably, Napier became frustrated. If the creature was real, he believed the Smithsonian had a right to examine it. If it was a hoax, Hansen was profiting off a lie. Eventually, the museum director became so outraged, he wrote to FBI director J. Edgar Hoover. Napier wanted Hoover to make Hansen hand over the body to the Smithsonian. But by withholding the carcass, Hansen hadn't broken any federal laws, so the FBI didn't go after him. In fairness, the Bureau likely had more important crimes to look into. Despite the FBI's apathy, Napier didn't give up. He pored over photos and film clips of the mysterious carcass, looking for clues. He even called Hollywood prop houses. Most had no idea what he was talking about. But one company told him they'd created an ape creature called the Iceman for Hansen back in 1967. Hansen's beast was a fake. The Smithsonian released a statement declaring it was a latex hoax, not proof of a new species. However, Hansen stood by his claim. 
he acknowledged he had a latex figure on display, but supposedly it was modeled on an actual corpse. His scientists, the cryptozoologists who'd examined the mysterious body, backed him up, insisting Hansen was telling the truth. In contrast, according to the facility that made the beast, the prop wasn't a replica of anything. The company had never seen an original, so they couldn't model their creation off of it. While Hansen always maintained the Iceman was real, Napier's investigation seemed to prove otherwise. And to make matters more suspicious, no one knows where the creature is today. The controversy around the Iceman seemed to suggest that ape creatures like the Big Gray Man don't exist. But decades later, in 2012, the University of Oxford and the Museum of Zoology in Switzerland announced they would analyze hair samples from any, quote, anomalous primates. Tufts of hair and fur poured in from all around the world, including 57 specimens that allegedly belonged to Bigfoot or creatures like the Big Gray Man. Because the material had been handled by people, each two to four centimeter strand had to go through an extensive cleaning process. For hours, the team meticulously removed any foreign DNA. Once they had a clean sample, Researchers analyzed the genetic code and identified the species. The scientists immediately disqualified 20 submissions. The samples were determined to be plants or man-made fibers or were too damaged to analyze. Another seven were thrown out because they didn't contain enough DNA for a thorough analysis. Of the remaining 30 pieces, several belonged to bears. The rest were linked to other common animals, like horses and wolves. One was human. For skeptics, this study seemed to prove the creature didn't exist. But in 2016, an evolutionary biologist named Charlotte Lindquist obtained a tooth, leg bone, and assorted hairs that allegedly belonged to the Yeti. The biologist and her team broke down the sample's DNA just as the University of Oxford had with the alleged Bigfoot hairs. They found eight of the nine specimens could be traced to different Himalayan bears. The final one belonged to a dog. While this latest study may have felt like a failure, it may help solve the mystery of Bigfoot, the abominable snowman, and the big gray man. The people who submitted the material likely believed in these creatures. Perhaps they saw something in the wilderness before they found their specimens. But it wasn't a mysterious ape creature at all. It was a Himalayan bear. Given the similarity between reports of the abominable snowman and the big gray man, perhaps the Scottish beast was also just a myth. But scientific studies can't account for everything hikers saw on the Cairngorm Mountains. Something chased numerous climbers down the slopes, only to vanish into thin air when they reached flatter land. And that's not even getting into Alexander Tunian's account. As we explained last time, he shot a creature three times, and it didn't even slow it down. That doesn't sound like a Himalayan bear, but it could have been a trick of the light. 
Last time, we discussed poet James Hogg's alleged encounter with the Big Gray Man in 1791. While tending his flock of sheep in the Cairngorms, he believed he saw the monster and fled. When he returned the next day, he saw the creature again and realized it was just his shadow. The incident is far from the first time a person mistook a shadow for a huge gray creature. The phenomenon is so common, it has a name, the Brocken Spectre. It most commonly occurs on misty or foggy mountains when the sun hangs low in the sky. Say you hike up a peak or a hill and look back down at where you came from. Because of the angle of the sun, you'll see your shadow in the fog. But you might think you're seeing a mysterious figure tailing you. It's possible this happened to hikers in Scotland's Cairngorms. When they peered into the mist, they may have seen their own shadow lurching back at them. Naturally, they were scared and began to run. But when they moved, their shadow ran as well, making it seem like something was chasing them. The Brocken Spectre could be responsible for Hogg's story, as well as a few other Big Gray Man accounts. But it doesn't explain why certain people allegedly encountered the beast at night, when the sun was down. Remember the camper we discussed last time, whom we called David? He was lying on the ground when he woke up and saw a figure standing over his tent. He couldn't have cast that silhouette from inside his sleeping bag. Plus, some accounts mention subtle features on the big gray man, like fur and talons. It's unlikely anyone could identify such fine details in a shadow. So perhaps the big gray man was real, but not a flesh and blood creature. It may have been something far stranger. Coming up, Guardians and Angelic Companions. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Now, back to the story. In 2008, Jeremy Windsor ascended Mount Everest. It was an arduous climb, featuring freezing temperatures, fierce winds, and potentially fatal drops. But as they neared the top, their greatest threat was a lack of oxygen. Jeremy had reached the balcony of Everest, over 27,000 feet above sea level. Here, the air was so thin, most mountaineers couldn't breathe on their own. They had to use a supplementary tank. As Jeremy gasped for breath, a fellow mountaineer named Jimmy climbed up next to him. He told Jeremy to change his oxygen cylinder and keep moving upwards. Jeremy did as he was told and soldiered on. For the next 10 hours, the pair labored up the mountain. They secured safety lines and supported each other's weight. Finally, they reached the last ridge. One more push, and they'd be at the summit. 
Jeremy turned to Jimmy. His friend smiled and said, cheerio. Then, Jimmy seemed to vanish. Physically and mentally exhausted, Jeremy didn't go after his buddy. Maybe his friend was taking a breather. Plus, they were so close to the top. So Jeremy continued to the peak of Mount Everest. Later, when he descended the mountain and returned to base camp, he realized there'd never been a Jimmy. Jeremy's mind had conjured him out of thin air. It's common for people to become ill when they go far above sea level. It's called altitude sickness, and it can result in dizziness, headaches, and shortness of breath. Additionally, many climbers have reported hallucinations, like Jeremy's vision of Jimmy. For years, experts believed this behavior was a symptom of altitude sickness. But now, they suspect it's a newly identified condition known as third man factor. It happens when people who are isolated suddenly feel the presence of something that doesn't exist. This typically occurs in life or death situations, like Jeremy's dangerous climb. An early account of this phenomenon happened in South Georgia. Not Georgia as in the U.S. state, but a small island roughly 1,200 miles east of Argentina's southern tip. John Geiger described the incident in his book, The Third Man Factor. He wrote how adventurer Ernest Shackleton wanted to be the first man to cross Antarctica on foot. He set out on his journey in August 1914, but it didn't take long for his expedition to go south, in every sense of the phrase. His ship became mired in the ice, and after 10 months without progress, he and his crewmates abandoned the main vessel in October. Without another form of transport, they had no choice but to walk until they could find help. While towing three smaller boats behind them, they marched until April, but still found no relief. So they left the ice and set sail, eventually coming to an uninhabited place called Elephant Island. Almost immediately, Shackleton realized they couldn't wait there forever. Rescuers didn't even know to look for them. So Shackleton and five other men boarded one of the remaining boats for a final voyage. Their destination was a whaling station around 700 miles away. This stage of the journey took another 17 days. The men had to ration their water and sail through icy storms at sea. And when they reached the shores of South Georgia, they were on the wrong side of the island. To reach the whaling station, Shackleton and his team would need to climb through mountains. He left three men behind with the boat and pressed forward with just two companions. The journey must have been discouraging and exhausting, but Shackleton persisted, confident he and his team weren't alone. He later reported he'd sensed a fourth man in his company. His two companions admitted they felt the same, like there was a fourth presence traveling alongside them. It comforted them and gave them strength until finally they reached the whaling station, ensuring the rest of their crew would be rescued. It was a miracle. In fact, according to Geiger, 
The three describe the mysterious presence in religious terms, suggesting God may have sent someone or something to help them. Poet T.S. Eliot later wrote a verse inspired by Shackleton's journey, but he misrepresented some of the details. When he penned his modernist elegy, The Wasteland, he didn't describe a fourth unseen companion, but a third. His lines read, Who is the third who walks always beside you? When I count, there are only you and I together. This is likely where the third man factor got its name. In his book, author John Geiger lists several other occasions where explorers experienced the same or a similar phenomenon. A student sensed a strange being after being caught in an avalanche. A climber reported an encounter while trying to scale Everest. A group of escapees from a POW camp all perceived an additional presence when they fled through a mountain pass. Perhaps it's relevant that they were all well above sea level during their incidents. In a 2017 experiment described in Psychological Medicine, researchers investigated over 80 cases of mountaineers claiming to have psychotic episodes at high altitudes. These climbers heard voices or saw things that didn't exist. Experts believe the cause was a lack of oxygen. As they moved higher and higher up the mountain, their bodies tried to compensate by increasing blood flow, which can cause swelling in the brain. Each mountaineer was also under extreme stress and usually alone. It's possible they hallucinated as a coping mechanism. The study found that once the hikers were out of danger, their companion vanished. The researchers didn't investigate any cases from the Cairngorm Mountains, but it's possible the people who ascended Ben McDewey may have had symptoms of third man factor. Instead of creating a friendly face like Jimmy or a messenger from God, they saw or heard a fearsome beast, the Big Gray Man. That said, there's a major issue with linking the third man factor to the big gray man. The mountain Ben McDewey likely isn't high enough to trigger the usual symptoms. The mountain sits at 4,300 feet above sea level. According to the United Kingdom's National Health Service, that's not even high enough to cause regular altitude sickness, let alone hallucinations. Researchers estimate hikers would need to travel another 19,000 feet higher to experience psychosis. That said, there are plenty of instances where people reported seeing a third man at lower altitudes. In his book, John Geiger discussed a cave diver who experienced the phenomenon in an underwater cave system. And a sailor reported sensing a, quote, invisible helmsman. The strange being helped him navigate his ship. It even woke him up to warn him before a crash. It's hard to imagine a hallucination being that considerate. One of Geiger's most striking accounts comes from Ron DeFrancesco. He worked in New York City's World Trade Center. He was in his office in the South Tower on September 11, 2001.
He didn't evacuate when a plane struck the North Tower. He thought he was safe. But when another aircraft slammed into his building, the jolt was enough to knock DeFrancesco out of his seat. He and several co-workers made for the emergency stairwell. They hurried down three flights, but before long, they were overcome with heat and smoke. The stairwell had caught fire. DeFrancesco's colleagues quickly determined going back up wasn't an option. They had to press through the flames. DeFrancesco feared he wouldn't survive the descent. He paused on a landing, overwhelmed and surrounded with other panicked people. Then a voice spoke to him, a voice that didn't come from anyone who worked in the buildings. It said, get up, hey, you can do this. Then something apparently took DeFrancesco's hand and urged him forward. To be clear, DeFrancesco knew there wasn't a person tugging him along. He walked alone, but he felt some invisible force guiding him along. It accompanied him all the way through the flames. DeFrancesco was the last known person to escape the South Tower alive. Maybe what he experienced can be explained by the third man factor, but DeFrancesco called the voice an angel. And he's not alone. We already talked about Shackleton's team, who attributed their third man to divine providence. There are others who claim the same. Now, this sounds pretty different from the big gray man. By and large, the Cairngorm creature didn't appear to people who were in life-threatening peril. He pursued ordinary hikers and campers. And when people sensed the being, they usually didn't feel peace or comfort. Largely, they didn't receive divine guidance or a supernatural sense of calm. They were terrified. So we seem to have two similar but distinct scenarios. The third man factor seems to describe a guardian angel type being who assists people in distress. And the big gray man sounds more like a malicious monster who appears when people aren't in trouble, maybe to strike fear into them. It's also possible the big gray man uses terror to protect people. Perhaps something far more dangerous lurks on the peak of Ben McDewey. By driving the unwary hikers away, the big gray man might be shielding them from a gruesome fate. Or maybe you can only perceive the true nature of Amphir layeth more if you're in the right spiritual mindset. Remember the married couple we discussed last time, the Rankins. When they saw the big gray man during a bike ride, they recognized him as a bodhisattva. He even spoke to them in what they thought to be Sanskrit and glowed with beams of light. Of course, their narrative is wildly different from the others we've covered. It's hard to say who to believe, or if all these accounts are even describing the same creature. To this day, the big gray man remains a mystery. The only way to solve it may be to travel to the Scottish Highlands, climb the ridges of the Cairngorm Mountains, and see, once and for all, what lies on the peak of Ben McDewey.
Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with a new episode. For more information on The Big Gray Man, amongst the many sources we used, we found Affleck Gray's book, The Big Gray Man of Ben McDewey, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ali Wicker is our supervising editor and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Alex Bernard, edited by Ben Hanani and Angela Jorgensen, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Jay Kehu, produced by Bruce Katovich, and sound designed by Michael Motion. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Richard Rossner. <laughs> <laughs>